Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 7. Exodus 7, the big confrontation. This is where Moses goes before Pharaoh. I always uh, look at this as an interesting picture because God calls all of us as his servants to stand before a very hostile world in our testimony that God has given us. You know, we're saved. We're still here for a reason. And the reason we're here is to be salt and light, Jesus said. And I think that's so important that we realize that that because of that, we're going to be placed in very hostile environments by that invisible Holy Spirit, not to crush us, but rather for God's power to be demonstrated through our lives. You know, a lot of people have often said, well, why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible? But today we don't see a lot of miracles. I believe personally, friends, it's because we don't live close enough to the edge to need a miracle. But this is one of the things that God does as we're led by the Spirit and as we truly pray what Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe God's going to use every one of us in very unusual situations where the power of God is at, where the miracles of God are at, to prove not only to the world that Jesus is Lord, but to prove to you that Jesus is Lord. You know, there's not a greater place that will build your faith than to be in the midst of the fire and see the miracles of God. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you that your Holy Spirit will speak to us and give us that wisdom that comes only from you and remind us, God, just as Moses stood before Pharaoh, so we stand before an un, un, for, un a, a wicked world, God. And so we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word, that we would remember these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we remember in chapter uh, 6 that Moses, God spoke to him and says, now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Well, I think what's really important is that Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go for three days into the wilderness that they might be able to seek the Lord. And Pharaoh said, oh, well, if they've got all this extra time on their hands to go be seeking God, you're not working hard enough. And so he took away their straw, but their quota of bricks didn't change. Well, the people then got mad at Moses because Moses was the spokesman. And you'll find that quite often that the very person that God will send uh, into a situation like you sometimes will incur the wrath of the family because you begin to disrupt the normal. Now, one of the things you're always going to remember as you study scripture is God disrupts the normal. Why is that? Because people can go and stay in their sin without being challenged. One of the things God uses all of us to do is challenge people. You know, you have a lot of people, sometimes they're your friends or whatever it might be, and and they're going along and they have these different things that they're doing. And well, you know, I've just had a stroke of bad luck in my life right now. No, it's not bad luck. It may be God is speaking to you to repent, get out of the lifestyle you're in so that you in turn can then do what God wants you to do. Well, the problem is, is that they don't like to hear that. 
They just want to believe this is a storm, it will pass, and it's not really God's dealing with me at all. Well, the truth of the matter is, in the case of Pharaoh, it not only got bad, as we'll find today with the first plague, but consequently, the rest of the plagues added to it as well, up to the time of God dealing with Pharaoh, the firstborn of all of Egypt. It is interesting in the plagues, the first two plagues deal with water. The next two plagues deal with the earth. The next five plagues deal with the air. And the last plague deals with man. And so now as we look at chapter 7, oh, and by the way, so God says, go to Pharaoh. And every time Moses Response. Look at verse 12 of chapter 6. Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. Then how will Pharaoh heed me? For I am a man of unclean lips. Now, if you want to go up a little, a little bit farther, verse 30, Moses said to the Lord, behold, I'm a man of unclean lips. How will Pharaoh heed me? First of all, I believe that he really had a hard time believing that God would use him. I think this is a problem that all of us need to overcome as well. Why would God use me? Well, because he loves you, first of all. And you're a good illustration of the power of God, especially for those who have known you in your past. As you serve God, they see a difference in you. And even if people don't always know what you were like in your past, they know that You've been with Jesus because of the way you think and the things you do. And so Moses kept telling God, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm a man of unclean lips. Have you ever told that to God? Well, you know, somebody needs to go talk to our our grandma, our grandpa, our brother, or sister, whatever. Uh, you don't need me. You'll find somebody else. God says, no, I want you to go. Why? I don't want to go. <laughs> well, that's a lot of times what it is. Moses, though, I think was a little scared because if you remember, he ran for his life from Egypt when he killed the Egyptian guard. And for the for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, he was hiding from Pharaoh and and, and his posse. 40 years, he thought he was a somebody, strolling around, cruising around in the, the uh, English, the, the Egyptian chariots with uh, dingle balls and lowrider. No, he had, he had all that stuff. He, he was really of somewhat, kills the Egyptian guard, realizes he was found out for 40 years, a backside of the wilderness, believing he was a nothing. Now... We're going to find today, for the next 40 years, God shows Moses what he does with no one. And I think this is important for all of us. So the Lord said to Moses, by the way, God will continue to speak to us because he loves us. You know, I I think it's interesting how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. You know, you think about the prodigal son. Jesus gave the story about a guy that had two sons, farmer and his younger son came and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want my part of the farm. And his father gave it to him. And the Bible says he went out and wasted it on riotous living. The Bible says that it was all gone. He starts eating and feeding the pigs. All these things, the famine came to the land. And he said to himself, my father's servants are treated better than I am living in this pigsty. I'm going to go home. Maybe my dad will just hire me as a servant. 
And so we remember he came home, his father saw him a long way off. But the point is, is this, he came to his senses and said, maybe I should go home. That was the Holy Spirit in his life. I know a lot of people that say, well, boy, I would sure like to, sure like to hear the voice of God. Oh, my beloved son, 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 with reverb. My son, 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 son. But you know, if you are born again here today, you've heard God's voice. You heard the message of the gospel and something inside of you said, this is what you need. This is what you, I don't know how it it came to you. But when I heard it, I go, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I need to do. Just like the, like the son in the pigsty saying, I need to return back to my father. You know, a lot of times we make the voice of God very ominous and almost unbelievable to, that God would speak to us. But a lot of times it's just in that still small voice that God does those things. And so God said to Moses, see, I've made you a God to Pharaoh and Aaron, your brother shall be your prophet. And by the way, the prophet just simply represents God to the people. So in other words, Aaron's only to do what Moses told him to do, and God was telling Moses what to do. It is interesting that uh, um, Pharaoh viewed Moses as a God. Why is that? Well, I think the authority that Moses came in with, speaking to him, telling him, and the boldness that he had to come back into Egypt again. Now, people a lot of times wonder how he, how he was able to know where to go. Well, he was raised in that palace. He knew where everything was. And so it says here, you shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh that he must send the children of Israel out of the land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Right here, he tells you how he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Very important. If you like to underline things in your Bible or circle things in your Bible, this is an important verse to circle. Why is that? Because people want to find fault with God. How could God harden Pharaoh's heart and then punish him? Mean God. No, not at all. God repetitively showed him his power. Pharaoh's reaction to that was to harden his heart. Now, if there had been no miracles, there would have been no hardening in Pharaoh's heart. So how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, the old adage, one, there is a God, two, you're not him. And the more that Pharaoh saw that he wasn't God, the madder he got, the harder his heart got. So, It tells you right here, I'll harden Pharaoh's heart, multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. That's how he hardened Pharaoh's heart. I think it's really important because, again, people always try to find fault with God. And if you can find fault with the Bible, then you can find fault with the message, and therefore we can stay in our sins and feel good about it. That's why they were always chiding with Jesus, trying to find something wrong that he did because they could discount the messenger, they and then could discount the message. And so he says here, But Pharaoh will not heed you. It's interesting to know that God already says, God, he ain't going to listen to you. Well, then why should I go? 
Because God's out to accomplish something. Do you know God will use you sometimes in the great white throne judgment to present the gospel to somebody just so on that day when they say, I never heard about the gospel, God will say, roll the tape. And play it where you shared with that person their need for Christ or that they needed to repent. Or these things are happening to you because God is trying to get your attention. All those different things that go on. Well, he says here, Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt by great judgment. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch my hand out on on Egypt and bring the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded, so they did. Moses was 80 years old. Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. What? I want to retire. Isn't that weird? How did he get into the courtroom? I probably showed him his little parks pass that he got. (laughs) Got this from AARP. Here he's 80 years old. The time that, hey, I should be enjoying life, you know. Now God calls him and says, no, you're going to do something great for me. You know, I want to tell, first of all, everybody here, I don't care what age you are, God ain't done with you yet. If there's air in your lungs, God's going to use you for his kingdom. I like that about God. God doesn't retire anybody out. Now, yes, in different times, our ministries may change. God may move us from one place to another. God may move you from one community to another. I, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I think we've all experienced this. How many people we've talked to that are out of state living in Idaho now? It seems like everybody I talk to is from the C word. And, and, and all of us realize that if you're from the C word, it is the fallen planet. It is something horribly gone wrong there. I read a story this past week where it said that in California now, if you're shoplifting and it's less than $1,000, the police won't even prosecute you. So they showed pictures of people, handfuls of stuff, running out of stores like Walmart and these other stores, handfuls of stuff, and they make sure for the first time in their life they actually use math. They calculate, oh, hey, I'm $999. Hey, make a run for the door. And it says they don't prosecute them. See, we're living in anarchy. And California, for some reason, encourages anarchy as Oregon, as Washington, as we all watch Portland burn over the last few months. All these different things going on. See, the Bible says when sin abounds, um, there's, there's some real problems. Anarchy is everywhere. We'll see again. The thing is, I believe this is all part of moving the world into a one world order. Now, when you look at this, 80 years old for Moses, Moses was not done. You know, a lot of times we feel we're done. God looks at you and says, "Uh -uh, can't go for that. You're not done yet. I'm going to still use you in ways that you didn't know. Now, yes, God will adapt us. And you know, you have a lot of years of experience, especially if you're older, that will help other people not make the same mistakes even that you have in your life. 
I heard it said one time, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. That's true. And you look around and you see, boy, that didn't work. I don't want to do it that way again. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember sometimes as I was a kid, my dad would say to me, don't do it like that. And I go, well, how do you know? And he goes, because I did it the way you're doing it. Don't work. Well, it's true. So it's wise to listen to other people. That's why the Bible is so full of wisdom, because it shows you how man in his, in his attempt to beat God at the system, how it doesn't work. And so... 80 years old, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show me a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Now it's interesting, this word for serpent here is not the same word that it was a couple of chapters back. When Moses said, how will I know the children of Israel will listen to me when I say I want to deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh? How, how can I prove to them that you're really with me? He says, throw your rod down, it becomes a snake. Now we remember this, this is what he did previously when God spoke to him. And the Bible says Moses jumped back from it because he was scared. But the word for snake there is different than the word for snake here. You say, well, why is that important? Well, this word lends itself to the word crocodile or alligator. Now, what's weird about that is the Egyptians worshipped alligators. In fact, what is really amazing in almost all these plagues, all the things that the Egyptians worshipped were the very thing that bit them. Let's look at this. So he says, Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. And as they did so, the Lord commanded as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down the rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called his wise men and sorcerers and magicians of Egypt, and they did in like manner with all their enchantments. Now, this right here is pretty weird because I believe that probably... Um, the whole Egyptian culture was probably, as we look at the papyruses and as you look at all the idolatry that was in Egypt, most likely this was real magic. In fact, the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to mislead the world by signs and lying wonders. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, if I could just see a miracle, then I would know that this is of God. Well, miracles do not, it, it indicates that it's supernatural, but just because you see a miracle doesn't prove that it's from God. And this is really important as we look at this here, because the Antichrist is going to use lying wonders as well to mislead the world. And so it says that his magicians did the same thing basically that, um, that Moses did. For every man threw down his rod and became serpents 
But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And so you, you got him throwing this down, becomes something, maybe an alligator. They throw theirs down, they become alligators, and it's Georgia Championship Wrestling. They all started eating each other, all going crazy, everything like that. And, and you got the alligator, and it's all done, you know, uh, Aaron's alligator goes, and they're all gone. Now notice it says, Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out by the water, and you shall stand by the river bank to meet him. And the rod which was in your hand that turned into the serpent you shall take in your hand, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus saith the Lord, but this you will know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that it is in, that is in my hand and it will be turned to blood. And all the fish that are in the river shall die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and to Aaron, Take your rod, stretch your hand out over the waters over Egypt, over their streams, over their river, over their ponds, over their pools of water, that they may become blood, and shall become blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both the vessels of it that are in the the vessels of wood as well as the vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. By the way, that's where the power of God is always at to do what God says to do. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of the servants, and all that were in the river turned to blood. Now, by the way, you got to think about this for a minute. He's got his staff, Pharaoh's out there, and it's all, you know, he's got his garb on, and everybody's out there doing their thing, and he touches the water, turns to blood. Well, it says even the water that was in the vessels. Now, there's several religious groups around today, Christian Science and some of these other that uh, kind of like grape nuts, neither Christians nor scientists, neither grapes nor nuts. Uh, but the point is, they try to explain away every miracle of the Bible. And they said, well, the reason that Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea is that Moses knew where to bring the children of Israel to step on the stones to get across the Red Sea. So it just appeared that the water had parted. And so somebody remarked and said, well, then it makes it a bigger miracle that the entire trained Egyptian army drowned in a few inches of water. Well, here again, the red sand on the upper plains of the Nile River washed into the river came down and that's what it made it appear to be blood it wasn't really blood it was just red sand in the water that ain't what it says it says even the the vessels that they had you know the sparklets bottles you know <laughs> whoa blood coming out of their out of every vessel that they had 
That's what the Bible says that was going on here. And notice it says it's going to get real stinky. Now, something you have to remember is this. The Egyptians worshipped the Nile River. In fact, um, uh, they had a, their, their god, uh, Kunam, god of the Nile. They had Hapai, which was the spirit of the Nile, and Orisis, which was the blood flow of the Nile in this, in this god of uh, Orisis. Um, they have temples. In fact, they have papyri that talk about this being of a great god in, in Egypt. And so now their god has turned on them. And so I think this, again, is an interesting picture. What God is, is doing is the very things that people oftentimes think their gods will save them is the very thing that destroys them. You talk to people in the world that, that don't know God and, and they think that and whatever habit they have think they're going to say, well, you know, my, 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 my bong is going to save me. I got my drugs. I, I got a lot of stress in my life. I just go, I, I just go space out. Uh, my God, my bong, it, 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 it takes care of me. Well, does it really? No, it, it hurts you. Well, I, you know, I, I get a real rush by, by winning at the tables. You know, man, that makes me feel really like I'm a winner, I'm a wheeler, I'm a dealer, you know, kind of thing. And then you find you lose your house, your cars, you lose everything. See, see, people's false gods never do them any good because this is what the Egyptians did. In fact, as we'll read on here, uh, they, they worshipped alligators. They worshipped frogs. They worshipped these things that they thought were what made Egypt Egypt, only to find now that when they deal with the real God of Israel, now all of a sudden these gods that they have are falling apart and causing all these problems. And so... The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 19, and Aaron, take your rod, stretch it out over the waters, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, over their pools of water, that they may become blood and all shall, and there shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, both vessels in wood and of stone. Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod, struck the waters of the river in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of the servants, in the sight of the waters, and they were all turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, river stank, the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians of Israel did so with their enchantment. Hold it just a minute. <laughs> I could just see Pharaoh going, okay, magicians do something. And they say, well, look, Moses turned the water to blood. We'll turn the water to blood. No, that's not what I had in mind. I, I kind of like you to reverse what's going on here. But you see, really, the devil doesn't ever lift the tyranny and the curse of man. It only increases it. That's the problem with the devil. You know why the devil hates all of us? You know why the demons hate all of us? Because you are created in the image of God. And even if you're not a Christian here today, you still have the attributes of God in you. doesn't mean you're God, but it means you are created in his image. And I believe that every time the devil looks at human beings, destroy him however you can. 
And I believe this is why it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that someday you will judge angels, speaking of fallen angels, for what they did to humanity down through the history of ages. And so it says that his magicians did so with their enchantment, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not hear them, for as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved with all of this. So the Egyptians dug around all the river of water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And they were digging like little wells to, to get their water. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. And the Lord spoke to Moses. We just go verse 8, or chapter 8. The Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your territory with frogs. By the way, they worshipped frogs. They were kind of a unique creature that could be amphibious and be on the land. And a lot of their statues, in fact, today they'll even uncover them, they'll have a human body with a frog head. So um, it was their god Heket, the god of the frogs. And God says, you like the God of the frogs? Have them everywhere. And so notice it says, the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up, come into your house and into your bedchambers and on your bed, in the houses of your servants, on your people and in your ovens and in your kneading bowls. They're going to be everywhere. Frogs galore. Can you imagine this? Now, Again, you have to realize when a person is polarized against God, how they'll refuse to see anything God does. Now, this, friends, isn't the only place in the Bible this happened. The more miracles that Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' hearts got. Remember when he brought back uh, Lazarus back to life after he'd been dead for four days? I was in Hawaii and I listened to friend of mine, Pastor Joe over there in Cow, and, and uh, he was teaching the Bible. This guy's got a funny sense of humor, but he, he said, you know, he said when Jesus showed up at Lazarus' funeral, he'd been dead for four days. There was a stone that had been rolled in front of the, the tomb. He said, you know what I thought would have been a really neat story? He said, if Jesus would have just picked that stone up under his arm and like a discus, thrown it into the Sea of Galilee. He goes, now that would have made a good story. Anyway, the point is, is this. Is that he shows up and when Jesus called forth Lazarus and he was alive, the Pharisees said, now we not only have to kill Jesus, but we must kill Lazarus also. Why? You have a living example of the power of God. The more miracles Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' heart got. Well, so it says that the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, stretch your hand out, rod over the streams, and out comes the frog. So Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt. Frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the Benetians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs from the land of Egypt. I, I, I always think this is so amazing that the magicians could only copy 
or try to copy what God was doing. By the way, that isn't the first time this happens either. Because in Revelation chapter 7, God puts a mark on the 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel as his servants during the tribulation period. I believe the church is gone. And when you get to chapter 13, the Antichrist puts a mark on all the people of the world who are loyal to him. You have God putting his mark on the foreheads of people who love him, chapter 7, and then the devil copies it in chapter 13. But it's a, it's a counterfeit mark. Here you find Moses brings up the frogs, and then Pharaoh's magicians bring up more frogs. Thanks a lot. Do you see the problem here? You would think, and by this time, I think if I was Pharaoh, I'd be getting pretty mad at my magicians and soothsayers. You're part of the problem. You're not alleviating the problem. But you see, that's the way the devil always is. The devil doesn't alleviate the problem. He only gets you in deeper. If, 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 if you know, a bag of dope doesn't fix it, well, then there's another drug of... I can't believe this. I went to the doctor. Everyone knows I had a heart attack uh, uh, back about a half a year ago. And I remember after I started feeling better, they had me fill out this chart. And, and you know, they asked, do you use alcohol do you use recreational drugs? Has anybody seen that? Does that strike you as a little odd? You know, I'm thinking recreational drugs, like an RV or a boat or, you know, four by four. Recreational drugs. Oh, okay. This is what we do now. Some people get in their motorhomes. Some people get in their boats. I just get into my drugs. Kind of weird. But... I thought it was strange how popularized that world now is in our society. You know, people don't realize it. People every day that you work with, they're getting stoned out of their gourds every night. You wonder why we have the problems we have. Well, again, it's because the devil doesn't alleviate the problem. He only digs you in deeper. Their magicians did the same things that God was doing. He added to the grief of to Egypt. And so, notice, they couldn't alleviate it. All they could do is make it worse. And so, <clears throat> it says, he said... Um, Verse 9, it says, And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of the sayings that I, and I shall intercede for you, uh, that your servants for your people to destroy the frogs from you and from your houses, so they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. That's weird. All this stuff's going on. Instead of Pharaoh saying, okay, do it, he said, come back tomorrow. Um, there was a song written, I can't remember, maybe it was Barry McGuire, one of them, they said, one more night with the frogs. Uh, you think about that for a minute. You know, it's funny how people sometimes say they want deliverance from their sin, their problem, their alcoholism, all these things. But you say, okay, do you really want to be delivered? Nah, come back tomorrow. Kind of strange, isn't it? The devil is the master procrastinator. In fact, his motto is, never do today what you can do tomorrow. Because, you know, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I'll tell you something, it's false hope. 
You see, again, I've shared this many times, death seals you in the condition you're in. Today, the Bible says, the appointed day of salvation. That's why we want to be right with God today, to be about his business, to do what he wants us to do. And so, he says here, tomorrow. I always am taken back by this, that... um, he said, and he said, again, verse 10, tomorrow, and he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frog shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, from your people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh, and the Lord, according to his word, um, The frogs died in all the houses, out of the courtyards, out of the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stunk. But when Pharaoh saw that there there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them, as the Lord said. It is interesting that when things get a little better in somebody's life, they feel they don't need God. You know, one of the things I, I think you'll find in your life as a Christian... The longer you're a Christian, the more you need God every day. Every day. Not just to get me out of the squeeze. Oh, God, you know, i got this financial issue right now. And oh, God, you know, I need, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God delivers us. And I'll see you, God, till i got another problem. But God, I find that, you know, not only is God your Lord, but as it says, he's your best friend. And you need that. He knows where the deals are. He knows what you need in your life even before we ask. And so I just want to encourage you today, as you look at the power of God in your life, realizing that you're a Moses type, everyone, and God will put you before some pretty hard people to demonstrate the power of God. I just want to encourage you, let God's light shine through you. Again, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. And because of that, you're going to be put in positions to do that very thing. And that, again, is where the miracles of God are. That's where God proves what you say is true. If you're not a Christian here this morning, very much like Pharaoh, very much like the life of Egypt, you're in bondage. You're in slavery. The devil says, do this, you do that, thinking it's going to bring some kind of relief in your life. And in fact, what you found is it only gets you in deeper. This morning is your day. And the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. And this is where we go and we say, okay, Lord, from this day forward, I want to serve you. Whatever time I have left, whether it's a week, day, month, year, or 50 years, I'm going to serve you. And you know what? You'll find God's work, miracles, every single day. I was talking to a brother yesterday. He goes to our fellowship here. And he has a business, and in his business, he needed a trailer. And he, he told me, he says, you know, Mike, it's the weirdest thing. He said, I got a call from, a, from a, a dealer. They got this trailer. He said, it was amazing because this is something we had looked for, we were waiting for, and I got it for like $5,000 less than it should have sold for. And I said, isn't it amazing how God knows what you need before you even ask? And he goes, I know. He said, it's so incredible. I don't know where the deals are, but I know the one who does. And in these days at 5% inflation right now, if you guys are at, at all watching what's going on, what that simply means to let everybody know 
5% inflation uh, almost per month now. Uh, you are losing. So your savings that you put away for your retirement, you just lost. Uh, if you, let, Let's say you had uh, $10,000 in the bank. You lost 5% of that. So what would that be? 9,500? You lost $500 uh, so far this year. You're not gaining, you're losing. And see, this is the problem. If you put your hope in the things of this world, it's going to always leave you empty. This morning, you can make a heavenly investment, be about your daddy's business, be rewarded forever, and know God's going to provide all you need from his riches and glory even before we ask. I love that about God because God already is in tomorrow. I'm not there yet. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord in your life. That's going to be a good thing. It's going to be, it's the best thing you can ever do in your life. And so if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, you want to repent of the foolish way you've lived, the hardening your heart like Pharaoh did, well, you can pray right now and let God do what he wants to do. So if you need to pray, people listening by radio, internet, you pray as well. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of the foolish way that I have lived. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And he rose from the dead to give me life. And so I ask you now to give me that purpose each and every day for the rest of my life. And thank you for eternal life with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.